So to start off, hi, I'm Sean. Really nice to meet you both. <laughs> I wish we could meet in person and have this conversation, but alas, Zoom will um, will have to do. Uh, so I, I kind of just wanted to start really at, at um, your your birth or early childhood, uh, Lucretia, and if you could just sort of talk me through, um, you know, your early years and how you uh, related to Quakerism uh, when you were born and, and in your early, uh, you know, teens. Okay. I was born in 1920, December the 4th, so my 100th birthday is coming up. And it's awesome, but it seems very natural too, and I feel as though I've lived the years fully and enjoyed them. I was born in upper New Jersey. My family moved sort of down with the making of the railroad in those early days from northern Jersey right down to Haddonfield. We had houses we rented in different places, I guess, for while the tracks being built. My father was into that business right after college. My parents were both uh, Quakers from birth, and they, uh, my mother came from, well, I guess they both came from uh, State College. When, when it was time for them to be married, or when they, you know, when dad asked mother to marry, they uh, transferred their membership to Lancaster County. Uh, they were both, uh, my father was Lancaster County, and my father was Center County, up in State College, out of State College. So uh, we kids, from the time we were born, were members, uh, birthright members of uh, the meeting in Lancaster County. So uh, then came the Depression, 1929. And uh, my father's boss, a Quaker at that at different places in New Jersey, building that track, decided it was the best for him to retire. So he did, and that left my father without a job. And those years then were difficult. We finally, things looked better, and we moved over to Pennsylvania to outside of media and built a bungalow there And when things were still more or less okay. And then that, we still kept the house. We always did that, but we kids were farmed out to relatives during the summers to work and to have room and board. I uh, went to Lancaster County a lot of those summers uh, and, and worked with uh, in three different relatives' homes. But uh, I enjoyed those summers. They were worthwhile and they were interesting. Well, then as I got into teenage and uh, 20s, I went to University of Pennsylvania with a scholarship and graduated in 1942. Well, during vacations from uh, school and college and so forth, uh, we young friends uh, looked, in, looked into the nature of Quakerism in Philadelphia, and there were two a division, a bad division in, in 1827. And that's when the Orthodox formed in the Hexite. And it tended to be uh, that the country folks were Hicksite and the city folks were Orthodox. 
my husband Bill always said that while he was born into a city meeting, Orthodox meeting, he was more closer to the Hicksite in their theology, and their theology was such that it meant that uh, they weren't as uh, biblically connected. I mean, they were, but it wasn't the same emphasis. It was more a, a faith of uh, activity and work in this world and helping you know, with others. But finally, in the 1950s, they began to come together again, and uh, uh, everything was much better from then on. But during those years in Philadelphia, uh, we uh, visited the different meetings, uh, 15th and Cherry Street. That's when they were still separated. The one meeting was there, and the other one was at Fourth and Arch. So we were helping, hoping that things would get together again, and meetings would get together, and so we had uh, attended the activities at uh, Fourth and Arch. When I was at Penn, we young friends were more active, very active, in helping to support the uh, coming together of the two meetings. Uh, we, uh, there was a student, a Christian association, and we had a Quaker group there with a person who was happened to be head of the whole Christian association, but he he was a Quaker. I never ran into him in later life, but we had an active program and uh, I enjoyed that. And, and then for a while before it was totally merged, we were very much leaders in the uh, period when there was a so-called general meeting with a lecture and everybody uh, coming together. And sometimes the sessions were in the Sheets and Jerry meeting house and sometimes they're in Fourth and Arts. It was a good time. We were really at a time when it was coming together again. Do you think it's um, the, the, just the time period of the, the mid to late 40s that, um, that was kind of energizing young friends to reintegrate? No, no, there, there, it began before that. Uh, when I was in kindergarten, we lived in Haddonfield. We'd come down from the north down to southern central Africa. <laughs> New Jersey, and I, uh, I think I'm right that at that time, that there was a split of 1827, and the Hicksite and the Orthodox meeting houses were on the same property, but they were sort of separate. It was really weird. I'm not that was not Haddonfield. I think that was Morristown, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, but we kids were aware of the two businesses two meetings and all. And when we went, we moved from Haddonfield, New Jersey to outside of Media, Pennsylvania, and I lived there for 14 years. Um, I was in, I uh, entered second grade when we moved. My sister was in, was younger, and she was in kindergarten at Daly Street Terrace. So that, at, I went to school and thought, Third Street meeting, Orthodox, and she went to the Hicksite meeting uh, near Route Baltimore Pike, uh, but they were all under one operation. They were different locations because of the space involvement, so forth. So, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about 
um, you know, meeting your husband? Yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Um, I, after college at Penn, I, uh, and I, I'll never forget, I've got to say this, uh, I'll never forget eating lunch in the cafe and the news, uh, music was on the radio and all of a sudden it was interrupted and it said that the Japanese have just hit Pearl Harbor. That was terrible news, terrible news. And so I got more and more interested in uh, doing something if I could myself for peace. So after four years in St. Louis, 42 to 46, I came, after that, I came back to Philadelphia and uh, to a job with the Friends Service Committee. And I was uh, there and lived in, uh, near the campus of Penn uh, in a co-op house, a group of young people in the Friendship Co-op House and uh, commuted down to uh, Penn, I mean, uh, to the service committee. And I was there for three years. Uh, I think that's right. Uh, 42, 46, or 48. Yeah, I was there for uh, 48, maybe two years. And I, so I went to, uh, I applied to work abroad because a lot of people after the war, even before the war was over, a lot of people worked in the ambulance unit and so forth in Europe. And, uh, but uh, I got my nerve up to serve abroad in forty in forty six and was didn't want to go for the usual year and a half to two year appointment and I thought that might be a little much so I uh, signed up for, to go to Finland which was to be for six months the Finns had uh, suffered terribly in World War Two. The, the Germans, and they, the Germans were really not fighting the Finns, but they were all in eastern Finland fighting the Russians. And when things got worse and the Russians were coming against the, Japan, the uh, Germans and uh, driving them away from them, from Russia, uh, they, the Russians, the Germans, fled all the way up through uh, the country and out into the Arctic area to get away. They couldn't go down to the, right into the continent of Europe, you know, Denmark or uh, Germany or anything, because there's no way with the fighting going on there that to get, they could get through there. So they went out through uh, northern Finland, Lapland. And um, uh, that had... Um, so where are we now? That was started by the uh, group of uh, older young people who were uh, uh, willing to go over and uh, help us get some work camps going. And they did, and Douglas Deere from Haverford College was there also helping out. He was, he was a, at Haverford, as I said, faculty. But every two years, he arranged with Haverford to go with his wife on a year sabbatical, in which time he was uh, interested in 
and serving in different countries and, and helping to talk about uh, Quakerism and peace and so forth, all parts of the world. So somehow he got involved with it in Finland before I got over there and uh, we started, I guess he knew about Pendle Hill here, you know about Pendle Hill, Wallingford. So he, uh, he got equivalent started or something like the same thing started in Finland and it was called uh, Beta Kivi. So I went over to join that work camp group and uh, of course we sailed over and over on the a Swedish ship called the Stockholm and, and so I got to Finland and I um, was to work in the main office when the uh, the New England couple were due to come. Um, they, the people who had been there before me, one lady, uh, it was time for her to go after two years, and but she wasn't being replaced until the fall. So I helped to tie it over in the executive work before uh, the other, until the other came. The most exciting thing I did in Finland, an interesting thing, was to escort around the country a fundraiser for the service committee named Lita Cromwell. And she was a character. She was a lady, no Quaker connection, but she was from New York. And she had a self-made job of uh, talking to women's clubs in New York and telling them about her trips abroad. I never heard about any other trips she made, but apparently she did every couple of years. So uh, it happened to be the one that I was at the time when I was in Finland for six months. So uh, we got on the train and we went up through Sweden to where the Rovaniemi and every house along the way. And when we got to the city of Rovaniemi in Lapland, Every house was burned. All that was left were the chimneys. It couldn't be wood, of course. So we um, got to Rovaniemi and were welcomed by the team working there. And they had things pretty well under control with uh, clothing distributions and food and so forth to help the people. And it was still pretty, pretty bad uh, destruction of the building. And we went across a makeshift bridge on the, some river that comes down out of the left arm of Finland and went to a work camp, visited a work camp in Lapland. And so we slept in a great big tent. And all night long, we could hear, if we were awake, we could hear people pounding, 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 uh, building, rebuilding their houses. And this was 48 and the war was over in 45. So it was pretty, pretty bad. And we helped in one house to build, a, a, to dig a foundation for a cook stove, which was also a, a stove to heat the place. And we dug down to 39 inches, a little bit over a yard. And uh, well, we uh, just one other point about the Russians did when they invaded Finland, and Finland's been beaten up by other countries for generations, years and years. But the Finns did in World War II take a chunk, another chunk off of the eastern 
little strip of peace my side, your side, and east, and um, on up in the central. So it was sad for the Finns to lose more property, and the people had to, I guess, make the decision whether they'd stay in what were their homes and now Russia, belong to Russia or not. Well, I decided after, well, I went for six months and I wasn't sure I wanted to stay any longer. That was the assignment I had, but it was very interesting. And then I um, had to, was deciding what to do next. And they offered me a job of working in London with the uh, joint program of the a American Friends Service Committee and, uh, uh, and the British, uh, British Friends Service Council. And uh, so I uh, took the boat, the train from down through Sweden, across the body of water, where there were still mines, but I don't think it was very dangerous. <laughs> we probably wouldn't have been there. Over to uh, near Warsaw, Danzig. I was a little apprehensive the whole time. I went to Warsaw and I actually got to go out to the country near outside of Warsaw to see a uh, project where uh, young people were transporting by old ex-army trucks building materials for people who had lost their homes and that was interesting and then we met in a little shelter made in the basement of a bombed out building uh talked with young college kids and told her you know what it was like then for them we also went to see the the uh the, what do you call it? The Jewish the ghetto just obliterated. All the apartments, brick buildings, and all those, bam, busted up, ruined. Thousands of people, I guess, died. After uh, that, I decided I didn't really want to work in London with the program in Poland. So I told them that. and. Lo and behold, they decided not to have that program anyhow. And uh, so it was just canceled. And I then uh, had an opportunity to go to Germany, and that suited me fine. And uh, I was in, uh, well, at that time, uh, Germany was divided into four sections. Russian section, we didn't get to see much. English section, we had to look around the other way around. English section for you, an American section down here, over here, down here, the French. So that uh, it was uh, a good arrangement, except that the Russian one was, Russia was so still so separate from the West that um, you couldn't go in at all. You'd be, you just were not allowed to. Um, I was in Germany for, uh, nearly two years. Well, no, in be yes, that's right. But in between uh, Finland and Germany, I decided to go to Woodbrook. Have you heard of Pendle Hill? Yeah. Outside of Philadelphia? Well, Woodbrook is really a predecessor of Pendle Hill and it's out of Birmingham. And so I went to that as a student uh, uh, and we had a, a German, um, veteran, not a veteran, but a German 
a Jewish person who was in charge of the international relations. We had uh, quite a few student, uh, students who had been in, suffered in the war. We had a uh, German woman and her husband, had, and she had been confined to a basement apartment and it was too damp and he didn't survive when they were still, you know, when they were imprisoned in France. And uh, so it was an unhappy time for her. But it was interesting to be at Woodbrook. It was something like Pendle Hill. Okay, so then after Finland, I decided I really wasn't ready to come back to the States. So I got another assignment with the Friends Service Committee, and that was working in Germany. And at first, when I went to Germany, we were in a in the town Freiburg in South Germany, and, and that was then in the French zone. It was pretty badly destroyed, including a lovely old church. Anyhow, one of the striking things there was Albert Schweitzer, uh, who had served with his wife in Africa so many years and even had a piano down there. Uh, he periodically came to visit with his wife, came to Freiburg to visit her, fam her family. And so they helped uh, somehow, I guess they were asked the friends if they could be of help by taking them from the uh, train station to the relative's house. And that's what happened. And then it, uh, they invited us uh, to hear a concert that he played in a little church. It was so cold in a little church, I don't know how he made his fingers move, but um, we all were bundled up and he did beautifully. And then we invited them for giving us a concert to come to our barracks. We had, the uh, service committee had bought a Swedish made barracks for their office in Southern Germany. And I was just there three weeks and I moved north. Well, the whole group moved north. Uh, but anyhow, Albert Schweitzer and his wife came for tea party and uh, we shook hands with him and his wife. His wife spoke some English, but he didn't speak any English. So it was interesting. Then when we moved from there up to Darmstadt, we, uh, we stayed in a castle, Schloss Kronenstein. Kronenstein was the name of the suburb of uh, Darmstadt. And that we got through uh, the current Prince of Hesse, Princess of Hesse. Uh, in 1927, the, uh, this, this uh, princess and her English husband, I think that's right, uh, were married. And uh, they, her husband was um, part of, he be, was in the, royal family in he of Hesse. And we had a, they had a little garden, Prince Emil's garden in Darmstadt, where we uh, were able to have a program to, uh, a multi-purpose program to have a, make, a shoemaker for making shoes or soles for people and a, a kindergarten program and a young, People's program and something. And years later, when I went back with my husband, um, we visited that little uh, center and it was still going. 
So um, I was there for almost two years and then came back to uh, Philadelphia and, uh, and continued to work at the service committee. But I very soon, oh, then I went and I was, had an apartment in Aubrey, you know, the Aubrey in Germantown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so I went to a meeting there and, and that first Sunday I met, I saw uh, Bill's family there and, and Arthur, his brother Arthur had been a um, student at uh, Woodbrook in England when I was there, there were four Americans of us. Um, one boy I never saw since, but he came from, New Jersey, and the other one was a Mennonite from somewhere in this country. She'd been working with the Mennonite Central Committee in Europe. But uh, so we met, and then um, Bill was going to Tennessee. So we courted for uh, three years, but I guess it was before he left. I think that's right. And he took off for Tennessee. And then, uh, so I got a little secondhand MG and went back and forth and we saw and he came up and finally asked me to marry him. And uh, that's that, and that worked out beautifully. Wow, I, I mean, quite quite a time <laughs> all over the place. Well, um, I, my, my last question is really just about reflecting on really the 60s, the 1960s through the present and where you where you've seen the meeting and and Quakerism sort of go um, do you have anything that you want to say about that or it's an open-ended question I know <laughs> I'm trying to think I came back from Europe I went over to Europe in 48, came back in 50, and returned my job in Philadelphia, a job, a different one. Um, when I had been there the first time after I moved from, during the war to, from St. Louis to Philadelphia, I was in the finance office. But when I went to Finland, after I came back from Finland, I worked in the international center's desk for three years, during which time it's, it uh, was sort of shut down because there wasn't as much emphasis on maintaining centers in Berlin and, and or there was other focus at Berlin and uh, Tokyo and New Delhi, India and so forth. They, uh, so they changed that's another story. I don't know too much about it because it got changed. But uh, I, I worked three more years and then Bill asked me to marry him and we lived in Tennessee with our four children. And then when did you come back to Philadelphia? Um, good question. <laughs> lived in Tennessee over 50 years. Bill was a doctor mm-hmm. in a medical group that was established to 
called the Cumberland Clinic in, the, in Cumberland County. And it was to serve uh, all people I mean, of any uh, age, or any uh, ability, the different you know abilities to pay and so forth. But it got more difficult because there was practically no competition when they started. There was one other local person who was a doctor, and he was a good neighbor and friend and fine. But there was also another doctor on the hospital staff that was um, uh, did illegitimate things. He would take out, he wouldn't take out appendix, but he, or yes, he took them out, but he took them out and, and uh, shouldn't have that sort of thing. So uh, I worked a lot, besides having the four children, um, when they were off to school and whatnot. I worked in the hospital as a pink lady. That's it's just a volunteer that works with uh, young people, teenage kids that want to serve in the hospital. So I was a sort of supervisor of the, I mean, just a volunteer job. Is that what you wanted? Yeah, yeah, oh, that's excellent. And, yeah. Well, then we, it wasn't after we moved to Tennessee, when we, I, we were married in 53, the fall of 53, we uh, started going down to West Knoxville to a uh, friend's meeting that was being held in uh, somebody's home, west side of the town. And sometimes we went to a friend's church, uh, thinking we maybe could have a connection with that, and do both. But it, they were more interested in being their own church. And uh, so we started the West Knoxville Friends Meeting, built a little, built, had a little house, meeting house built. And as far as I know, it's thriving, has been thriving. And as far as I know, it still is. I should inquire some. But of course, all the people that I, we knew are gone, except me. <laughs> No, I don't know about that for sure. I don't think there are any of them left. None that I keep in touch with, anyhow. Mm -hmm. And um, but when we first well, started, we oh, had one question. We both started. Did you say you were brought up meeting, in Baltimore? Meeting in I mean, not. No, no, no. And, uh, yeah. uh, I think that was when we were talking about home, your sister's school twin, near Baltimore Pike. And his wife. Yeah, well, I want to ask. And he, they were married long before. I we see a film there. that you and six children made. Right, no, Beck's gone. Of Lucretia Mott. Six children. <clears throat> we made a brand new exhibit about and Lucretia Mott. We're all in touch uh, with each other. just been installed, and then we'll be oh, talking about her in our latest uh, film for there, schools. There seem that to are, be that are, Evans's um, everywhere. Obviously, can't come yeah. to Arch Street but, during was, the pandemic. Uh, we talk. Active, we talk about her for maybe a minute it's, it's out of the full. Like, could be with uh, more children film than less active because he. Um, but there, the there was there. The National Park Service has just done, but I think, we, uh, a video on the picture. Uh, Southern Appalachian Association yeah. of Friends, SAF, S A A F. And that was in, uh, we were married in the fall of 53. That was pretty soon after we were married. 
I don't remember right now the exact time, but um, next we, we uh, in 1970, well, from then till 70, 1970, we met in the, uh, we had yearly sessions, yearly meeting uh, sessions in uh, somewhere in different places in Crosslands, our town. And it grew and became very active. And through all these years we've been away, we have not maintained any contact. And sometimes we hear about it, and, but not very, we never knew very much. But uh, some people thought, uh, expressed their feeling that we should become a yearly meeting, an official yearly meeting, and not just an association, S-A-A-F, the Southern Appalachian Association of Friends, but it should be a yearly meeting. So since we couldn't quite decide what to do about that, some thought we should have it and some thought we shouldn't. For temporarily, temporarily we decided to have, make it Southern Appalachian Yearly Meeting and Association. Instead of SAF, the SAMA. And as far as I know, it's still SAMA, and it's still very similar to what it was, but it is yearly meeting and association and never became just a yearly meeting. Never, the name is so nice, SEMA, mm -hmm. has kept it that way, I think. Sometimes I, out of curiosity, I should just find out what it's like now. Yeah. We've covered a lot. We have. I want, I want to thank you for sharing everything. I might follow up um, with some written questions that I just, maybe I need clarification on, but I'm gonna, um, I'll definitely type some of this stuff up and, and, and thank you very much for sharing. I really appreciate it.